So good to be here this morning. I really wasn't supposed to be preaching. Someone else was. That person, his name is Frank Matthews. He was uh, obviously my dad. Not feeling great, so I'm, I'm stepping in. But you still get Frank Matthews because my middle name is Franklin, so it's like the same person. Uh, but anyway, we're going we're gonna to do the best we can this morning because God has got a special message for you. We've been in the middle of a great series we've called Choices, where we have been looking at the things that we can do to really impact our life to make healthy choices for us to be able to use our lives for God's kingdom and for God's kingdom to speak into our lives. Week one for us was very simple. It was simply admitting a reality choice that we can't because no matter what we try or what we do or how much we spend or what we try to fill in the, in the blanks and the tanks and everything, we cannot do what only God can do, which led us to second week and in, in the kind of the confession choice or the hope choice that God can God can do all the things that he says and then some in his Bible. We simply need to rest and trust in whatever God's word says. Because it makes me feel pretty good if I know I can't, that someone can and that someone is God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we looked at Daniel came and we, we called it the let it go choice because he sank frozen for us. But it was the commitment choice of letting everything go and committing our lives to Christ because we need to not only acknowledge that God can, but we need to commit that we will have our faith in him. Then we looked at the house cleaning choice of coming clean, making sure everything inside of our lives, that anything that's holding us back from God's, from God's glory and for God's purposes, that we would remove that so there's nothing but margin in our lives for God's kingdom. And then we looked at uh, the transformation choice of making the changes that are necessary. Because it's not only acknowledging that there needs to be something done, but we actually have to physically do it. And some of you have really been praying through those changes. We've read the prayer cards. We've heard some of the stories that you've shared with us personally. And we are so excited about what God has been leading many of you to do by making the changes and making those healthy choices. And we praise God for you. Last Sunday, we had Justin Lett, who is our new lead teaching pastor, and he shared one of his messages with us that we are looking at the relationship choice centered on love and forgiveness, that we need to love those and forgive those that are in our lives that maybe if we've used that as a barrier because we can't see it, but then also maybe we need to receive love and forgiveness for things that God is not even keeping score on us about anymore. So all these things have led us in this series, and this week we're going to talk about the growth choice. Next week, Robert's going to come back and talk about the sharing and what we can do kind of after the series and all the things that we can do. But today is about that growth choice. It's not only about acknowledging what needs to be done and saying, hey, I see the changes I need to be making, but it's actually moving in that direction and making those growth choices. So as we look today, many of you have already turned to Matthew 5. We're going to pause from the Beatitudes and really just take a sidestep to John chapter 15 this morning. So if you want to join me there. We would love for you to do that. And as I have you do that, let me pause and pray one more time, and then we'll get going. Father God, we thank you so much for the series that we're in the middle of. We are so grateful, God, that you have begun to do a powerful and mighty work in many lives through our church and in our community. We're praying that today would just continue that. You would just bring some of that Holy Spirit into this building, that you would protect us and keep us focused, free of distractions, so that we know the growth that you want us to have. We know the things that you need us to do so that we can be more in line with you and have a more fulfilling relationship with you. God, we love you, and we invite you into this conversation, into this time of teaching, because it is only for your kingdom that we need to hear it. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. How many choices have you made today? Can we count those real quick? Anybody over 1,000 yet? 
Some of you are like, I don't even, I can do 10. That's about it. We make a ton of choices every day, probably within the thousands upon thousands of choices. Some of those, we don't even think about them because we're just so used to doing them, but that doesn't even phase us anymore. But some of our choices, we need to understand, have preset consequences. And some of those are good and some of those are bad, but every choice has a consequence. For instance, this morning when you woke up, you had a decision to make when that alarm clock went off. I can hit it and hit snooze. I can take it and chunk it. I can get up. And if I get up, I have to actually roll over and get out. And then I have to move. And then I might want to take a shower. We praise God for those of you that did. I might want to, you know, look nice. I might want to grab some breakfast. I might want to actually turn the car on and put it in reverse and prayerfully get to church safe and sound. We've made a lot of choices and many of them have been good. But we all need to understand that every choice we make has a set of consequences. And so for us, as we look at this growth choice today, you need to understand that what you start here in this moment has eternal consequences that could be for your benefit, the benefit of your family, the benefit of your community, and the eternal benefit of God's kingdom. And so we want to look at that. Because back in the day when we're looking at Matthew 5, now don't turn back there, stay in John 15, but going back when Jesus is preaching here at the Sermon on the Mount or what we are looking at, the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, what he's doing is he's setting a new tone for ministry. For generations upon generations, the church had kind of adopted some of the, the legalism that the world was beginning to offer. you got to think about the Roman Empire and all the, you know, it's, you know, eat or, you know, dog eat dog kind of world that they were living in. And more territory you had, the more control you had. If you could flex your muscle, then people would cower to you. That was the Roman empire. And sadly, in many ways, the church became the same thing because the church said, well, since most of you don't know how to read the Bible anyway, and many of you don't know how to read period, then we're just going to tell you what you need to do. And then we're going to make you do what we think you should and call it the spiritual life. And so you had all this legalism and all these, these tensions and all this. You have to pay to do this. And the church stopped being the church and became this institution. And then Jesus comes along. And when Jesus starts his ministry, it was like 400 years or 500 years of ministry or, or church work that the Pharisees and Sadducees and other church leaders had done had basically gone away because Jesus was teaching something new. Jesus was teaching something that began to just say, if you will make choices based on your relationship with the Father, then everything changes. You begin to feel more blessed. You begin to see the blessings. You begin to bless others. You begin to what one translation is to live that happy life. You live that blessed life where you begin to see your relationship with God for what it is. You begin to understand who Jesus is, and all of a sudden, everything changes. Status changes. Your thought process changes. Your family changes. Your work situation changes simply because Jesus began to preach a new message. So, for instance, in, in Jesus' day specifically, you think all those that were outcasts, if you read through the Gospels, you'll, you'll see the stories where there are people lined on the sidewalk leading into the temple that could not get into the temple for different reasons. And you see them leading in and Jesus saying, blessed are those. And all of a sudden, those that are outcasts are welcomed in. All of a sudden, those that had created and, and had done some incredible sins that thought they were so unworthy, all of a sudden, when Jesus starts preaching and he says, blessed is, then all the people that thought there is no hope for them found the hope that they were looking for. 
simply by absorbing what Jesus was teaching. So for us, our goal through this whole series is that you would not just hear some clever sermons, attend some life groups that would hopefully be some good transformation of information, but you would make some transformational choices in your life that would lead you to a deeper, more fulfilling relationship with Christ, and you would grow in your faith on a daily basis because Jesus wants more for you than you want for yourself right now. And he has something great in store for you no matter how old you are. I used to say back in the day, I heard it said, and then I adopted the saying, you know, you don't retire, you refire. And that's kind of what it goes. So when you're young, you just got the world in front of you. When you get a little older, you just retune and refire and you keep going. Because I've seen too many people in this church, excuse me for all the back and forth there. I've seen too many people in this church that have begun to have great mentor relationships regardless of what age they're at. So let's continue to grow. Let's continue to move in that vein and in that way and growing towards Christ through making this growth choice. Join me in chapter 15 of John. We want you to do this and make good choices that have great consequences. And, And right here in John chapter 15, John is writing to us and he says in the first five verses, he says, Jesus is preaching, he says, I am the vine, my father is the gardener. Every branch that is in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that does produce fruit so it'll produce more. So you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So we face a choice this morning. For us, it is, how will we grow? And think about that just for a moment. You personally, how will you grow? How will I grow? How can we do this if if we know that this, this moment that we're in, there's so much more that God wants for us, then how will we grow in this choice? The first thing, and, and listen to Justin talk about it this week, the first, the first point here is very powerful. You simply have to want to grow. You have to want it. Some of us are scared of growing because it means we might have to make some changes that makes us a little uncomfortable. We might have to make some changes that would require us to do some things that we're not sure we could afford to do. We might have to make some changes to grow in the way of the Lord, and we're going to have to give stuff up that we've enjoyed our entire lives. And I'm telling you right now, whatever you place in the Lord's hands, whatever you say, I want to get this to you so I can have more room for you, God not only takes that from you, but he blesses you and he grows you more than you ever thought possible. But we have to choose to want to grow. It's not enough to need to grow. We have to want to grow. We have to invite Jesus on a daily basis to help us in that growth movement. You know, we were going back in the choices you make this morning. How many of you woke up, looked at the mirror and said, Jesus, I want you to grow this face that I see in the mirror today. I want you to help my life grow further than it ever has done before. How many of us made that choice? That's something that we need to do. And you're like, man, that's a little silly if I'm looking in the mirror telling myself to grow. But I'm telling you right now, when you speak it, it all of a sudden happens a greater statistic of actually happening. I love DBU baseball. DBU baseball is Dallas Baptist University. It's the school that that Callie and I went to and Aaron went to and and several other people that live in the area here. And 
Dallas Baptist University has an incredible baseball team, and this is not a sell for them, but the coach put a motto in place that I think is really applicable right here. And as a team, their mission every day is to get 1% better than they were yesterday. Imagine if we had that same approach in our spiritual life, that I would get 1% more, I would get 1% better in my spiritual walk than I was yesterday. How incredible would that be? That means that every 100 days, you should be 100% better than you were right now. And that means that we're going to have to put some kind of some, you know, feet to the fire. We're going to have to put a little effort into it. But man, there's so much that God wants to experience and with you and for you. There's so many things that God wants to do with you. And if you would make that challenge of saying, I want to be 1% better then you will begin to see a life that is more fulfilling and you will grow in a way that you've never grown before. I mean, just think about it for just a second. How many of you are still going good on your resolutions that you made over a month ago, almost two months ago? Yeah, that's what I thought. We have a new chance in our relationship with God. It doesn't matter where we started. It matters where we pick up from and let's be 1% better than we were yesterday. That's what we need to do. Justin wrote this in his notes, and I love what he says here. And, and he was sharing with this with me yesterday as we were talking. He says, you know what? When you want to grow, where you want to grow and what you want to spend the most time with, that's the direction and the trajectory that you'll go. So if you want to grow more in a relationship that you have than your relationship with God, that's the direction you will go. If you want the sinful things in your life more than you want God, that's the direction that you will grow. If you want anything beyond God... That's the direction that you will grow. And God is saying, and Jesus is saying in his teachings, he's saying, stay with me. Because there is so much more that I can do than you can do on your own. Stay with me, grow with me, and let's do something together that we never thought possible. For us to grow in the Lord also means we have to learn to listen. We have to listen. And it's an interesting thing. What God says is most important. We have to get to that moment where what God says to you is more important than anything else you hear. We were talking to Life Group the other day, and, and I shared this. Uh, I, I love social media. Many of you know that. You've seen me on there from time to time. I was Instagram account. I'm dating myself. But one of my favorite people in the 90s was Will Smith. Cheesy movies, cheesy songs came with those movies, but it just that was where we were at back in the 90s. But he was on Instagram the other day and he began to say, you know what, I need to filter how much I go back to the news because he said by his own words, I found myself feeding back into the news, chasing all this negativity so I would have some ammunition to be mad. We need to get rid of the ammunition that the world offers and get to the voice of the Lord and grow with him. But I have to understand something. Sometime God speaks in whispers. What God said is most important. What God will always say is most important. But sometimes God speaks in whispers. For us, that's pretty easy. All we need to do is get out the noise. Noise of what, Scott? How many of you have already got a notification on your cell phone from a text or an email, social media post, weather app, some recipe that just showed up that, hey, this would be a great Sunday afternoon recipe? That's noise. How many of you woke up this morning before you read your Bible, you turned on the news and you got armed up with some angst by what you saw on the TV? That's noise. How many of us, we spent more time in the in 
music and, and, and movies and TV than we spent some time with the Lord this morning. That's noise. Some of those things aren't bad. But what God says is most important. And we've got to get through the noise. There's a moment in 1 Kings 19 where Elijah is, is, has just finished having some incredible time with the Lord. God has been doing some incredible ministry. And all of a sudden, Elijah finds himself in the middle of a mountain. And it is not the place to be. But God continues to speak. And here's what it says in, in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. He says, then God said to Elijah, said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. And at that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and the shattering cliffs, uh, shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came a great earthquake, and the, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What? Are you doing here, Elijah? For some of you right now, God is waiting for you to answer the call in your life. And we would love it to be like the trumpet and the pomp and circumstance and like the silver platter comes down with the trumpets and the balloons and the confetti, right? We would love that because then we would know for sure it is the Lord. But I'm telling you, if Jesus whispers, if God whispers in this subtle silence and just says, I am here, this is what you should do. You know that God has spoken to you. Some of you, we, we default to things that we think, well, that was my conscience. Well, who do you think gave you that conscience? The Lord gave it to you. You're standing before a decision. You know that if I go right, I'm going to do wrong. And you know that if I go here, I'm going to do right. And if, if I do that, but th- this is appealing. And all of a sudden you hear this voice saying, go that way. That is the Lord, not your conscience. And you need to follow the whispers of God's voice. We need to learn to quiet the noise. I don't recommend doing Elijah's route. And if you read 1 Kings and you read the life of Elijah, it's not exactly pleasant. I mean, it's like watching a roller coaster at your favorite theme park. Ups and downs and corkscrews and twists and turns. Enough to make you go, what in the world is happening? But through all that, Elijah found, him pla- found himself in a place where there was no noise, there was no distractions, there was no computer, there was no cell phone, there was no news, there was no nothing. It was just simply him and the Lord, and he finally heard God speak. You don't have to go to a mountaintop. You don't have to go to a faraway third world country. You don't have to go to a deserted island. You could simply sit where you are and begin to hear the Lord speak and say, this is what I need you to do. And we need to grow in that direction. I love Elijah. When I first got here, my friend Brent shared this verse with me. It's like I'd never seen it before. In Elijah 30, 21, it says, Whenever you turn to the right or left, your ears will begin to hear the command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. And that may be the growth choice for you, is that you just need to grow in such a way that you begin to hear God's voice more than you hear everything else. Think about it yesterday. Some of our families... And I'm going to put them on the spot, not, not point them out. But some of our families gathered their families to pray for the first time in a long time. And they got to experience God begin to move in their children's lives because the children were getting excited about what they were praying for. 
I loved it. Cheryl told me about a, a, a station that they had yesterday that they were asking for forgiveness and they were taking these pieces of paper and they were putting it in the trash because it was symbolic of everything that I asked God for forgiveness for. He, it is nothing but trash to him and he is going to take it and remove it and put it in the wastebasket. I love Callie's station that she had yesterday. They were taking Skittles and it's not tasting the rainbow, even sure I'm sure someone wanted to, but they were putting that together and they were using hot water and, and they were beginning to see that when we put ourselves in God's life and they put that hot water and all of a sudden the colors begin to bleed they believe together, then for me, and maybe this wasn't the point, but I, I took it away that when God begins to filter in your life, there's nothing that you can do to remove it. There's nothing you can do away to take away what God has begun to work together. We need to pray and we need to afford God the opportunity to do some great things and we need to listen to his voice. The third thing is we need to taste and see. We need to taste and see because facts by themselves will never make us make the choice. But the experience will. For instance, I'm going to make all of you hungry right now. Unless you're sugar-free and then you're going to turn me off for about two minutes. Krispy Kreme donuts. You're welcome. We always have a sponsor for the messages apparently. And Krispy Kreme is mine. Apparently I've had a few. Not any of us go to Krispy Kreme because Vernon Rudolph is the founder. Maybe one of you actually knew that that was the founder. You didn't go there because he, he bought a recipe from a great chef down in New Orleans. You didn't go there because, man, you love those little hats because they always make you feel so good. You didn't go there because of the, the, the art and the sign, and, and you didn't go there because it was from Winston-Salem. It wasn't because you saw that in the 2000s they branched out and kind of spread the economy out a little bit with, with different shops and different stores. You didn't go there because of the facts. You went there because of the experience. And many of you went there because of the experience of someone else. Because they told you, oh my gosh, when you go in that store and that thing is working, that conveyor belt is working, you see that raw dough going up and down and up and down and it cooks. And you're like, oh, that looks good. And it flips. Oh, and there's more to it. And then you go and then they glaze it. They baptize it in the Holy Spirit and all that sugar. <laughs> and then it rolls on that conveyor belt. And then for a long time, I don't think they do it anymore, but they would be like, hey, you're here and they're hot and fresh. Do you want a free one? Oh, yes, I do. I'm going to walk out and walk back in. You began to experience that, and then you went for yourself, and you're like, man, this experience is great. This tastes great. And then you didn't have enough just getting the original glaze. You went for the gusto. You went for chocolate. And then you got really tempted, and you went for the stuffed, filled cream. Oh, the deliciousness. You didn't go because of the facts. You went because of the experience. And I'm telling you right now, for some of you, you know the facts of God. Some of you know the facts of God better than some of you sitting, the person next to you. Maybe even you know some facts about God that I don't even know, which is possible. But there are many of you that have experienced God's moving in your life. You have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He is faithful. You have seen him work in powerful ways to such a way that I can say you are not satisfied with the first taste. You want more. For us to grow is to want more of God's presence, to want more of experiences with God, that we would want more of what God has to offer because the taste is not enough. For you, sitting here may be the miracle, but that's not enough. 
You may have recently or, or not long ago given your life to Christ for the first time, but that's not it. There's so much more. Imagine if you went to Chip and Joanna Gaines and you said, build me a house. And they took that curtain away and you saw the house and you were like, oh, that's beautiful. I'm going this way. We would think you were crazy. Don't get at the doorstep and say, oh, I had just a sample and that's plenty. I'm telling you, go in for the full buffet of God's goodness. Because when you taste and see what God offers, and if you are outside, the, outside on the street in, the, in a metaphorical way, you need to come inside of what God is doing because God has got something powerful for you and he wants to grow you in a way that you will be forever changed. But you need to taste and see that God is good. You need to trust him for the first time. Or maybe for the last time because the last time is the eternal time and wow, that would be awesome. And I promise you, whatever you think of God on this side is going to pale in comparison to what you think, God, when we get to heaven. You need to taste and experience what God is good. The best, God doesn't want to stop having experiences with you. He doesn't want to stop with one experience or two experiences. He wants to keep on going. That's why going back to John 15, chapter, verse 2, not chapter 2, chapter 15, verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. He prunes every branch so that it will produce more fruit. So for us, that last point is for us, we need to get pruned. We need to have those moments where we just invite God to say, God, I feel like we've had some incredible experiences, but this is not enough. Prune the things that are either sucking the life out of me or prune me in such a way that we can have some more. But I want to do something in you and just have more fruit and more experiences with you and allow God to operate in your life. Because you can produce more than you think. You can produce more than you think, but you need God's presence to kind of push you a little bit. And that's what pruning is. It's God's way of kind of getting you going, kind of pushing you forward. Some of you are like, man, I've relapsed. That Hey, don't worry about a relapse. It's part of growth. You just need to focus on God. You need to make sure you keep going and keep going and keep striving. And you negotiate with your body. You negotiate with your spirit. And you begin to negotiate with God. God, I need your help. I need to go. Because when God is doing something in your life, he is moving you closer to a goal line that you can't see. And I promise you it would always be best for you, but he will be the absolute best for his kingdom. And God always walks with you. Second Corinthians four, chapter, uh, chapter, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight says, "We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may be displayed in our body." I love it. Because the more that we make sure that we focus on Christ, the more that we become Christ. The more that we display the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We become God the more we allow Jesus to do work. The more we allow God to do work, we become the image of God. And when we grow and we make the choice to grow, that's who we become. Malachi says it this way. He says, we will be like, or God will be like a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. Then they will present them, 
themselves, or they, excuse me, they will present their offerings to the Lord in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and the years gone by. I don't know if you've ever seen that refinement process, but when they put that metal into the fire and all the impurities come up, it's like that guy taking that scraper and he makes you more pure than you've ever been before. I'm telling you right now, when we do the things that God needs us to do and we make that choice to grow in our daily life, I promise you, it may not be rainbow and sunshine every day, but it will always be for your benefit and God's glory. And you will be more fulfilled in your relationship with God. You'll be more fulfilled in your relationship with anybody when God is the focus and you are listening to his voice and his voice alone. So the question is very simple. How do we grow? How do we do it? Step one is you got to want to. Cannot stress that enough. It can't be a thought or that's a nice idea. It's got to be I want to grow in my relationship with God. This morning would be a great moment to be a declaration. Wade was singing just a few moments ago about the cross and how powerful the cross is. And I would say, make that declaration this morning saying, God, I want to grow, but be specific about it. God, I want to grow in my finances. I want to grow in my relationships. I want to grow with my parenting. I want to grow in my marriage. I want to grow in my spiritual walk with you. I want to grow away from my sin and more towards you. Be specific and make the commitment to right now because you want to grow. You need to grow in your relationship with God. You could do that during our time of worship and reflection here in just a few moments. We need to invite God to prune us. You need to invite God, and maybe that's the commitment you make. You know there's some areas in life where you're not being fruitful, and you need to invite God into those and say, God, whatever you've got to do, as painful as it may be on the front end, I invite you to prune those things from my life and be specific. And once again, be very specific. I invite you to begin to prune that away from me so that I can bear more fruit for you and for your kingdom. I'm telling you right now, that could be one of the most difficult choices you make, but it'll be one of the most beneficial choices you make for you, for your family, for your friends, for anybody you come in contact with. And the last one is taste and see. You may need to give your life to Christ because you can't taste and you can't see what Christ is not a part of yet. And if Christ is not a part of your life, it's going to be hard. But I invite you to come and taste and see that God is good. I invite you to come and I'll be down here. My friend Eric is right here. We've got prayer partners that will be on either side. They would love to speak to you and they would love to share with you what it means to give your life to Christ or rededicate yourself to Christ so that you can experience and taste and see that God is good. We believe the more that you do that, the more that you experience God's goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and love and peace, not only will you love him more, but you'll want to share it with every person you come in contact with. So this morning, I want to invite the worship team to come back. Lead us in our time of of worship and, and just response and invite you to make a declaration that you want to grow, that you want to hear God's voice that you want to taste and see and experience his goodness. Whatever the case may be, we want you to declare to God, I want to make that growth choice and not just declare it and leave it on the cross, but take the steps necessary to grow. Man, what a day this could be if we would turn our lives and our hearts and our, and our path over to the Lord and grow towards him and only him.